Podlita. My goodness me. Oh, we'll get there. Private panel. I'm on Want to wear that top? It's good. It's brown. Where are the bobbleheads? Hello, and welcome to the second very special episode of Pod Leadum, which, as you know, is Top Model Podcast. Spelled backwards. My name is Hannah Jane Ginsberg, and you think karma's a bitch? Wait until you piss off a Capricorn. They keep a frozen shoulder in the freezer just in case they need to ice someone out. I'm J.W. Crump, and hashtag newsflash, cancel culture is so 2019. I tend to believe people will see right through your lies. Not everyone's a fan of yours, you know. Hashtag keeping it real. And I'm Alexander Price. Located at Pier 86 off 46th Street in the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood of Manhattan's west side, the installation showcased the aircraft carrier USS Intrepid, the cruise missile submarine USS Growler, a Concorde SST, and the infamous space shuttle Enterprise. All of these are truly accurate quotations. (laughs) We are back with another bonus episode discussing the Romana Clef. (laughs) <laughs> that is the, the wig, wig, the bitch of the meltdown. The wig of the meltdown. <laughs> this is part two, our our last of our 20 bizarre things we wanted to point out about this first time novel. All, can you imagine reading all three of our quotes and then telling someone, what do you think the book's about? <laughs> do you think it's a top model book? <laughs> They'd be like, no, why would I think that? And why would like, they go hmm. on a long paragraph about the intrepid? <laughs> All right. Uh, They keep a frozen shoulder in the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that out of nowhere description of a Capricorn. Who hurt you, Jay? Okay. So number 11 on our list is we're getting to something in the title because we're going to talk about why the title references a wig. You'll never, ever guess. And the book cover features this red wig oh that's true also all of the press boxes that we've been seeing people open on instagram have red (gasps) wigs in them that's so true i didn't even put all of that together so you would think to yourself you would think to yourself you would think to yourself keisha cash has a red wig maybe it comes off during the meltdown like you you know that's fine you'd get that maybe this is a melrose place moment Ooh. no 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 Because that wig is stolen hair shaved off from a top model contestant that she then wears in front of that top model contestant during the meltdown. Stolen from the fingertips of children with cancer. (laughs) There's a contestant. Who is the perfect... It's Nicole, right? That's the the name. It's Nicole, yeah. Who is a redheaded beauty who is destroying the competition but Keisha does not plan on her winning so she's trying to do everything to destroy her including doing something that I don't think Top Model actually ever did which was a second round of makeovers a rebranding makeover and so Keisha Cash shaves her head bald bald to break contestant Nicole and Nicole immediately is like well actually My mother was bald when she had breast cancer. And so I can make this a tribute to her, which infuriates Keisha and delights everyone else that Nicole has the perfect answer for this. And Pablo Michaels, as you remember, our J. Manuel stand-in, promises Nicole 
that her hair will go to locks of lug. Locks of lug. <laughs> it should have been. It should have been. Locks of lug. Uh, lots of l- lesbian until graduations. <laughs> <laughs> they did wigs. They need wigs. <laughs> they went so short. They need to go home at some point. That her hair, her beautiful red hair, will be donated to locks of love. So that's specifically a child with cancer. Mm-hmm will receive this donation of hair. And I think in the book's universe, Nicole requests that on air. So that's like part of the episode. Yes. Yeah. So later you find out in a dramatic... Okay, so I feel like Jay wanted this to be like the moment with Viola Davis from How to Get Away with Murder, Mm -hmm. where she takes off the wig. And it was this iconic TV moment, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But instead it's Keisha opening a package from her wig designer, De La Renta, and putting it on her head, and it's the red hair of Nicole. And then she just wears it in front of her, and, like, Nicole would recognize her hair, right? The the way that Jay describes how wigs are put on says to me he maybe doesn't know how wigs are put on. So he goes on this whole thing about, like, Keisha Cash says that she has extensions, but really she wears these wigs because... Her hair is balding and, like, cornrowed very badly and, like, sparsely. And then... she always expects wig miracles. Yeah. And then the way he describes it is as though a Lego man popped on the wig and it just kind of, like, sits on a head, little pokey. And that's how the wig is created. Because, and we know this is how he thinks wigs work, because... In probably the best moment of the book. Oh, yeah. Yep. The best moment that includes none of the big characters, truly. Keisha, during her meltdown, loses the wig. And at the very end, amidst chaos, amidst fighting, amidst all this stuff, Nicole, <laughs> newly bald, just plops her own <laughs> hair back on her head. And then just smiles. It's like it's the only moment that I'm like, this would be a great scene at a TV show. I would want, I would the just her crazily combing her own hair back on her head. I would watch the crap out of that. Yeah, no, that was amazing. It was so good. It's so funny. And Nicole's like, I guess she's not a small character, but she's not like someone we know a lot about. No. So it's weird that she gets this iconic moment. Like, truly, it should have been like. Pablo who put on the wig or something. Yeah. Like oh my that. god. That should have been what happened. We should have gotten like if the real message of the book as we learn is that Pablo was also evil this whole time, there should have been a scene where he put that wig on. Oh my gosh. And just had a line like I thought silver was my color, but maybe it's red, maniacally. But maybe my color is Keisha. <laughs> I'm Keisha. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> the next thing we have to talk about at number 12 is that in the middle of this book, it completely changes format. What's that instead of a narrative book, it's a book review of Keisha Cash's novel by a doctor. Keisha does all the things that Tyra does in this book. She writes a book that she doesn't know how to type. Because Mavis Beacon would be ashamed. Mm -hmm. She lies about working on a song for nine years. And then releases it and forces the models to be in her video. Yeah. It's all one-for-one parallels. Steals Pablo Michael's dream of a talk show. Mm -hmm. Which is true. 
According to Jay Manuel? According to some interviews, yeah. I'm not going to speculate. But we know that Tyra gets a talk show in real life. Yes. So, halfway through this book, Keisha releases her book. Planet Fierce. And it's a sci-fi book that's supposed to be Model Land. But instead of, yeah. I think Model Land was more fantasy. And this is the sci-fi version of it. That apparently is also, in the world of this book, Keisha's book is a ripoff of another book that exists in this universe. And it's also like 800 pages or something. Which I don't yeah. think Model Land is that long. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it is. Also, we haven't mentioned this before, but Keisha is very dumb and doesn't understand words, which is also, according to the narrator, something that is, quote, painfully obvious to viewers. I just looked it up. Model Land is 575 pages. So that's a long book. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the review by? Do we have a name? Dr. Baraka C. Karenga. The catwalk launches but fizzles out in space, colon. A galactic supernova for black women ex- implodes into a black hole. Okay. A couple of so, things. <laughs> as a reader of a lot of sci-fi, alternative fiction, fantasy Alexander, books, what's the opposite of a brag? <laughs> <laughs> I had such individual problems with this review because it is clearly written by someone who has never who's only knows like game of thrones and lord of the rings right and maybe hunger games but they just basically describe this is by a doctor in this field who is probably of color i'm assuming by their name saying like no fantasy book no sci-fi book has ever used people of color and black women in their books it should be a like an an achievement of of literary feet and i'm like i was sitting there just going like i can name i can rattle off one of the most recent books i've just read did that yeah yeah yeah. the review mentions octavia butler and that's it that that's it and that's also not sci-fi no well she's credited as like he has a a wide range speculative but it is like the most little like basic example that someone yes that literally someone wikied. Yeah, clearly Wikipedia. That's what I was sci-fi. So this book review is written. A couple, another specific about this book review actually is that it shows you a picture of Keisha Cash, which is kind of yeah. fascinating because you almost would not want the book to do that. So you could imagine her looking any way that you personally want to imagine. You mean just like Tyra Banks? Well, but yeah, but I think I don't like when books suddenly do that out I of agree. nowhere <laughs> according to the book this review came out two days ago august 14th 2020 <laughs> i mean <laughs> so this book takes place like so technically, i was about to say technically even... the rest of the book after this takes place in what is currently the future <laughs> <laughs> that is a reveal i did not know we were gonna get on this podcast hannah <laughs> i didn't I, I didn't notice it <laughs> But yeah, a lot of this book review... Okay, so there's so many things that Jay does clunkily clumsily. We've talked about him on our first episode. Plug. But like, he can't... He, he <laughs> can't do heavy topics. He just can't do stuff. He just shouldn't do things about Me Too and fat shaming and whatever. He's not good at it. He doesn't understand how to do it. No. And this is his attempt at racial commentary. 
And he just shouldn't. He absolutely shouldn't have. Also, in the voice of a yeah expert. Why did you think you could write in the voice of an expert in a field, in a literary field? It then becomes this weird meta narrative that he's actually reviewing his own book. Yeah, because this fictional reviewer also reads this book for overusage of particular words. <gasps> Which, buddy, I don't know if you read your own book. Apple Pay has entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag apple pay <laughs> hashtag getting it done is here to stay so it's it i will say the smallest bit of credit the review does read differently than the rest of the book there was true. a true yeah. attempt at being like this is not written by the person who's writing and narrating this book which i appreciated but again i just don't think the skill set's there yet no that's a hard feat to pull off as a seasoned author. Yeah, just like the three of us are. <laughs> yeah. Mm, so number 13. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before we move on, I just also need to point out that apparently the name of Keisha Cash's publishing company is Skinning and Grinning. I remember that. This book was published by Skinning and Grinning. <sighs> to be fair, Keisha's production company is Cashing In. Which, again, is just a parallel to Bankable. Well, also, we, we talked in the last episode about things where they use the actual product name and then things where either he couldn't get permission or just chose not to. And somehow never talked about the fact that instead of Victoria's Secret, <gasps> it's Veronica's Privates. With a K. With a K. It made it so disgusting <laughs> when I read Veronica's Privates. Can you imagine... Any person shopping at a place called Veronica's Privates? What are they instead of angels? Horny devils. There must be so many other words that you could use. Intimate. There we go. Or just like whispers. Veronica's Confidentials. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Aphrodite's <laughs> box. Aphrodite's box. <laughs> done. Whitney, podium. Podium, Whitney. All right. <laughs> Number 13. We're moving on. And it is the prison chapter with a bonus because we're going to talk about how the book explains anagrams. <laughs> so for no reason, this book shifts narrators to Keisha's mother, Brenda Paris. So subtle. Not Carolyn London, Brenda Paris, who does have a very different backstory than Carolyn London. Part of me really wishes that, that was a full 90210 call out, though. I mean. <laughs> so we shift because Brenda's been in jail since Keisha was 14 for a crime that she didn't Keisha has do. a lot of trauma and hates Ken Mock because he was the producer on Officers. And on that show, Keisha's mother was arrested. On camera. While Keisha and her brother were forced to watch from the car. Do we ever learn the brother's name? No. It's so... Th this is the one... Because you learn that pretty early. Yes. And we know that's not true. I've read the Tyra book yeah. that she wrote with her mother. And I really think that would have been addressed at some point. <laughs> so early on in the book, this is the one thing that you're like, oh... This is the fakest of the fake. This is you actually yeah. doing an original idea. Mm -hmm. Besides just changing. And what changing was Brenda Paris's crime? Stealing from a morgue safe. 
<laughs> we get a detailed account of that heist. We get a detailed account. Was holding jewels that belonged to Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth, why? <laughs> when? When does this take place? But let me just say this. I would, I would read the hell out of that story. Why was that? So this, this is like subtly set up the entire time. And there's kind of this narrative that you're not sure if Keisha actually wants to spring her mother from prison or not. Like it's, you can never tell. And I think that's on purpose. I'm going to give him credit that. I think that's by design. Though it made it seem like she put her in prison. Regardless, this chapter is just from Brenda Paris's point of view where we meet a host of new characters and also learn the most important lesson of all that the biggest barter item in the women's <laughs> correctional facility system is model muse merch that brenda is signing i never understood if it was actually because she keeps calling it autograph but i'm like how i've never read a book that had a backdoor pilot in the middle <laughs> That really is what this is. It's a backdoor <laughs> pilot. Hannah, that's so astute. Because it's a whole, it's just like they would do on the Facts of Life. They just introduce <laughs> the Boys Academy and you're like, well, I, I would watch this too, I guess. Yeah. It's a lot like that episode of Stranger Things where she runs and finds the the fr- like the, the half-sister and the whatever. Oh my God. The biggest <laughs> difference between me and Hannah personality-wise is when we're talking backdoor pilots, I jump to the Facts of Life <laughs> and you jump to Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Both equally valid examples. And, also, and I jumped th- to a different world. <gasps> oh, yes. That was the pilot. That, that was the backdoor pilot, though. Yeah, that's what I'm oh, saying. Sorry, 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 sorry. We're talking about the original source material that had a backdoor pilot. Okay. You're talking about one that was successful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the difference between Alexander. He only talks about successes. Me and Hannah are like, <laughs> you know what didn't work out? <laughs> the episode, well, the boys Academy. Them to this chapter. <laughs> the episode where Tootie and Natalie visited her aunt and uncle who were in an interracial <laughs> marriage. <laughs> that was the whole plot. The 80s. All right. This chapter and its understanding of prison mechanics. Is orange is the new black realness. It is so cartoony. Just walk around, get massages. The guards just let you have things if you give them a signed model muse hoodie. Apparently the only way to contact someone in prison is (laughs) to have a guard slip them a note so they know to answer the head inmate's cell phone. Boob phone. Like, there's no way to just call an inmate in prison, apparently. And we had to go also into the, like, tired stereotype of, like, big lesbian head of the prison oh, system. These, these characters are the least subtle in a, in a treasure trove of, like, one-dimensional characters. And at least with the, this, you can be like, well, they're only going to be in one chapter. So I kind of get why you have to rush through characterizations. But there's nuance fled the fled the room <laughs> at this chapter. Except that they're all big fans of Pablo Michaels. Pablo Michaels and Model Muse. People love it. It's the only thing they watch. <laughs> well, like 52% of Model Muse viewers would not watch it if Pablo Michaels was not on. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to like broach the secondary part of this item. This book is so many different books. Like all of us, we're all just so many different people. When the smoke clears, there are so many mirrored versions of each of us. Mm -hmm. Can a book contain multitudes? This one can. (laughs) This one can. It tries. Brenda Paris makes her appearance in this book by sending a message before we ever meet her. That message 
is a mysterious postcard and a vial of blood. <laughs> and it's done in classic magazine cutout letters. How do we know that? Not because the book necessarily describes it, because this is one of the rare, rare moments that they have a picture in the book that is of the anagrammed note. And when Keisha receives this message, she calls Pablo to her side where she's sucking on cold rib bones. <laughs> Virgil. Literally. And says, I don't understand this message. This is mysterious, whatever. And Pablo, of course, has to figure out what it means because Pablo figures out everything. He's Mr. Fix-It. Which leads to us getting the full Google description (laughs) of how to solve an anagram. It is one of the funniest out-of-nowhere things that has happened so far in the book. Because he he fancies himself as a Dan Brown, really, I think, is where Jay Manuel wants to live. Well, and for a while, all right, for a while, you think, oh, maybe this is going to turn into like a mystery novel? Yeah, I it thought... It really seems like it wants to. In case all of y'all out there want to figure out an anagram, here's the five-step process. <laughs> Break up the anagram. First, write down all the letters in a different pattern. Number two, put letters together in common pairings. Q-U, as it were. Three, after you break up the anagram, start putting together pairs of letters. A-A, for example. Four, separate those vowels and those consonants. And five, pick out prefixes and suffixes. Neither of which really make an appearance in the final note. No. No. And the whole thing is also, it looks like it's signed from someone named Komoru, which makes you think, oh, maybe it's going to be Komorali Simmons or something. Especially since in the top model world, she was a, C- a cycle one judge that got booted. And you're like, oh, is this a revenge plot? Are we going to introduce a new character? No. Also, this, he went to so much work to make it an anagram because he does not know what a cryptogram is. <laughs> if he had understood what a cryptogram is of replacement code breaking, this would make things simpler and make f- far more sense oh, yeah. than the convoluted uh, hoops that he has to go through to make this make sense because Keisha Cash's real name is Kiki and he finds Kiki in the anagram in the, the notes the best part about this to me beyond what I'm pretty sure was Jay Manuel googling anagrams and then literally writing down in his book the steps that Google showed oh, sure, sure 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 that this vial of blood <clears throat> turns out to be exonerating evidence <gasps> In a robbery. In a, like, 20-year-old year robbery. Is there a payoff to that? No. No. Where does this blood come from? You know how when you're committing a robbery and you just bleed all over everything? (laughs) And then someone collects that in a vial and holds onto it for 20 years? You cut your hand during that robbery and then you just do nothing about the blood (laughs) trail? Where the blood comes from? Also, who sends the note? Is it Brenda Paris? I guess. But then why wouldn't she send? It's so ridiculous. Weird. It's 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 trying so hard to have like this big reveal, big mystery, big moment, flash to the prison. Oh my gosh, what's happening? And it's more so just like this trek of like, especially since there's only like a chapter that separates getting the anagram to solving it. So you're like, oh, mystery's done. Oh, now we're in the prison. Oh, now we know all the evidence. Okay. Can't you see a world in which this book gets adapted into a TV movie and Tyra ends up playing Brenda Paris. <gasps> <gasps> you know what Tyra could do? Tyra 
could use all her millions, buy the rights to the book. Option the book. Make the series and not have Jay Manuel involved at all. <laughs> Just as like written by, inspired <gasps> by. He's gonna he's going to put Drew, whatever his name, from Paper Magazine in the Jay yes, Manuel yes. role. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Another scene that is out of nowhere and changes well, genre. Well, actually, directly follows the anagram yeah. scene. They, we're just changing yes. genres, changing genres, because number 14 is one of the grossest sex scenes you'll ever hear described. And it's between <laughs> two characters we also barely know, Andy, which we I don't even know if we've mentioned Andy yet, but it's eventually Keisha's, like, new manager. Manager. And Levencron, Andy Levencron. And the quote, slutty contestant for one of the seasons of Model Muse, Kayla. Who is basically kind of his Angelie stand in. Yeah, and just in the sense that in the show's universe, there's rumors that she was promiscuous, but I love Angelie and I'm going to stand behind. I think those are rumors. I like Angelie too. From what I heard, the rumor is that she was a escort. And that's why she was disqualified that, from something. Yes, but that one of her clients was an executive producer uh, on Top Model. Enough. Then yeah, it's a full stand-in for that moment then. I do think it's so stupid and so horrible for him <sighs> to use the name Kayla, a contestant oh who in the show's universe, he has a conversation with her and it's reveal- revealed later that like she had been assaulted by a man and she can barely stand to be touched by him. Why use her name for this character? You could have used anything. Literally any yeah. name. Any name. Anyway, this sex scene is gross. The, <laughs> the I... setup is that Pablo <laughs> is in a bathroom, right? Solving the anagram. Yeah. Solving the anagram. <laughs> like you do in a yeah. bathroom. You got to go to your thinking pot. You know what I mean? You got to sit on that <laughs> toilet, poop it out, anagram it up. And then Andy... And Kayla just come in and we get a description of the grossest oh, yeah. sex scene. And again, it's out of, no- we have not had anything sexual. We've had a lot of sexual mentions, but nothing this like grossly descriptive. It's pornographic. It is pornographic. Like it was the, it was one of the only moments in the book that I started fully skimming. Cause I was like, I don't want to read this. This is the problem with this too. It's clear that he does not know how straight sex works because before any clothes are removed. The Andy character says, you're wet to the Kayla character. Maybe she had just come from the pool. <laughs> Was that described? <laughs> Pablo says that he pulls his legs up, covers his ears, and closes his eyes. But then fully describes what is happening outside of the bathroom stall that he can see and hear. It's so gross. It's so weird and unnecessary like that's the biggest thing too even if you wanted this subplot right and it kind of ties into stuff later so i guess sort of in the narrative of the book you need this scene to happen why describe it in these details yeah why did you want to write this because (laughs) you seem grossed out by it the whole time but it does give us the sentence (laughs) the grecian girl had that helen of troy look that was about to launch Andy's ship. And again, <laughs> he just mentions her race for no reason. I guess nationality, but you know what I mean. No, same. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, listeners. That's probably one of his better metaphors, <laughs> truly. <laughs> That's the sad thing is I was like, mm, okay, fair enough. <laughs> As a gay man who has never had sex with a woman, 
never wanted to have we sex. We call with those women, a gold star gay. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I and who like when sometimes you know when you're skimming through porn and then something pops up and you're like, oop, and you close it real quick. <laughs> and I read tons of erotica. I've read straight erotica. This was the moment where you're searching and you're in like a porn hub hole and you come across like like something that for you personally is too much yeah where you're because you're reading the book and then you're like oh my oh my god yeah, that, no, that was my visceral fuck? reaction i was like why no <laughs> <laughs> like we truly can't read most of the sentences from it nor do i it's want so to dirty oh my god it's yeah it's I, yeah <laughs> why so I think this also leads us to 15 calls in the exact opposite way. Jay tries very hard to do fun jokes throughout the entire book and maybe one out of a hundred land, truly. So as you mentioned, Pablo Michaels is supposed to be a 30-year-old adult. And we point <laughs> this out because he has a birthday at one point he doesn't celebrate like an it, adult but he, he has a birthday <laughs> but we get it we get it <laughs> we got the we receipts get it, <laughs> we get a very specific age so he was born in 1990 keep this in mind <laughs> when was he born though because we know this place this book takes place in the future now <laughs> <In the> future. <laughs> sure but we know in 2020 he was 30 so this 30 year old adult <laughs> uses the phrase o-m-g not oh my god spells out o-m-g he uses hashtag fingers that's actually like his thing like his trademark thing he speaks in emojis there is a passage where it's not a text message he literally speaks and in the text it has just a happy face emoji how do you say that in conversation (laughs) my favorite bad joke in this is when he is making fun of Keisha Cash for writing a book and being stupid. And he goes, another character, De La Renta, has been describing how bad of a writer Keisha is. And Pablo thinks to himself, De La Renta was right, spelled W-R-I-T-E. And then in parentheses, (laughs) Pablo was thinking in puns now. So, like a lot of things in this book, that happens once and is never addressed again. And so you're left to think, so what's happening here is that Pablo is apologizing for Jay Manuel's writing. We also get You can't do parentheticals about your own brain narration. No, it's like your brain's narration. You don't need the parentheticals. Like, he could have said... Right, I was thinking in puns now. Like, Pablo was thinking in puns now. That's fine. You you don't need the parentheses. (laughs) But also, as a 30-year-old adult man in 2020, he says... That's what the book title should have been called. A 30-year-old adult man in 2020 and the meltdown. He His references, he references the this is your brain on drugs PSA, which I do not believe he would have been uh, born or aware enough to know he also uses the phrase metrosexual a lot which is such an outdated and somewhat offensive term that's what i mean but the most egregious thing to me was the recurrence of the phrase egg zackly spelled e-g-g dash z-a-c-k-l-y egg 
exactly. And that's how everyone in the book says the word exactly. Everyone says exactly. Uh, yeah. So here's another treat. Because again, Jay loves a pun and loves Pablo thinking in puns. Rhyming. You know how the judges on Top Model love a joke that's just a rhyme? That's what he <laughs> likes to. There wasn't going to be room for anything else. Model Muse had become Model Deluge. <laughs> wordplay. Hashtag wordplay. Talking about wordplay, for a show that is not called America's Next Top Model, they all sure say America's Next Top blank. Like, you'll be lot. like, she was trying to be America's Next Top producer. And you're like, but you wouldn't be making that joke because you're not on America's Next Top Model. You would, you would say something like, she was trying to be a talk show muse now or whatever. Yeah, they say producer, recording artist, and author. But, like, they keep using the same joke. And at one point, Rachel's like, oh, she's trying to be America's next top producer. And Jay goes, or Pablo goes, that was a funny joke. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It makes no sense. You're not on America's Next Top Model. It makes no sense. And even if, because we do know America's Next Top Model exists in this universe, it's funny to me that instead of making a pun on Keisha Cash and her actual show that Rachel works on, she's making a joke about a show that's ended in the year 2020 that was their direct com competition. But also, I know we skipped over this, but this goes into it too. When they pitch Model Muse to the networks, they give the pitch of America's Next Top Model Yes. But say, you know, like the show Project Runway. And I just went, excuse me? Excuse me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, so are we ready to move on to number 16? Yes. All right, number 16 on our bizarre things in the meltdown <laughs> are the long descriptions of the architecture, but not so much of people. Yes. He does not go into detail about characters in this book. Except, as we've noted, their race. That's yes. all you need, Hannah. That's what a person is. It's true. You get a full picture. But we have full pages discussing buildings, decor. Restaurants, for sure. Intrepid museums. His apartment. Oh, my God, his apartment. His apartment. 
is the ugliest sounding apartment. Do you remember? Well, maybe, I don't know if either of you ever read these. Did you ever read Babysitter's Club books, the first ones? Oh, yeah. A million okay, of them. You know how when Claudia would be announced, they would do a full page description of what Claudia was wearing, like to the full detail? I think there was oh, yeah. even someone online who used to try to recreate the outfits as they were described in the book. That's what Jay Manuel does, but for any building and restaurant. And also most of them, it's it, Jay as an author has a very distinct idea in his mind of what is cool, classy, good, and what luxury. is... Yes, luxury, exactly. Lux and what is bad, trashy, whatever. Because out of nowhere sometimes, he'll just be like but that place is tacky. That place is over. That place hasn't been hip since whatever. And you're like, why? Why would you mention that? We get full dates about the developing <laughs> of the Intrepid Museum. We get developers named Zachary and Larry Fisher. We get philanthropist Michael Stern. We get when it became a historic landmark. We get a, a whole page on 432 Park Avenue. Oh, yes. And let me, let me read the, that one. Please. 432 Park Avenue had forever changed the New York City skyline, and several old New Yorkers regarded the date of October 10th, 2014 as the beginning of the end to their beloved metropolis. Several media outlets had reported on that day that 432 Park was now officially the second tallest building in New York to one World Trade Center. However, with the famous Lower Manhattan building being mostly measured with its iconic spire, the new Park Avenue condos would boast the tallest rooftop in the city with incredible views. At the time of its completion on December 23rd, 2015, 432 Park became the tallest residential in the world. Although its association to the growing wealth inequality was also remarked upon by the building's architect himself, Raphael Vignoli. He was quoted as saying, there are only two markets, ultra-luxury and subsidized housing. Other critics had scoffed at 432 Park's slenderness and simplicity. Fashion consultant Tim Gunn described the building as, it's just a thin column, it needs a little cap. Regardless of what trivial fashion pundits had to say, the now infamous residents had become home to the Model News Season 7 contestants. Also, trivial fashion pundit? Why insult Tim Gunn out of nowhere? But also, I want to remind everyone, that paragraph that Alexander just labored through is <laughs> the same book, is from the same book as the anagram note with the vial of blood and a show called <laughs> Officers with a Z. It just happens out of nowhere. And then there's just a page of text that is a full Wikipedia moment. Yeah, also coming from a book in which a fake book review trashes a fake author for plagiarism. Yes! <laughs> when this has clearly been lifted wholesale from something else. Like, did they give you a word count? Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, that is what this has the energy of. When you, like, have a very specific 500 word count for your essay, and you're at, like, 450, and you're just like, well, I can mm -hmm. copy and paste this paragraph in. Yep. <laughs> it's also, none of it ever leads to anything. Like, if any of that information led to something else, because at least, at least, at least, at least, when they're talking about, like, the planes and the intrepid and stuff like that, it is something that he picked out for like a location. So I'm like, okay, I can sort of reason that you're trying to explain why you think this area is so cool. But this building never comes up. No. I could also see it if like, if he was trying to describe a journey of how Pablo becomes like more sophisticated and yeah. we got like how he used to like this thing, but now he likes this thing. And the descriptions were very different. That could tell you something yeah. about 
a character, but it's not that like Pablo is the only person in this book with good taste also. The I think the the best description of Pablo we get is this next passage I'm going to read. Once again, this is about Pablo's character. Coming through the front door, Pablo wanted his guest's eyes to be drawn to the ultimate focal wall opposite his bedroom. At first glance, it looked like an architectural detail, but it concealed the components of his Bang & Olufsen home theater system, which revealed with the press of a button or a request from Siri. In front of that was a light gray Minotti sectional sofa and one of the last famous script rugs with illegible black writing scribbled across the white fabric. A white lacquer desktop appeared to be floating in space above clear lucite legs that had been fashioned to look like cut crystal stem champagne glasses. He'd actually splurged on having a custom-made Eames executive chair created for his desk. White, of course. Like the clean palette of a painter, Pablo had created a modern, neoclassical vibe to help him keep a clear mind when he wasn't on the chaotic set of model muse. With meticulous care and precision, his bedroom was measured and fitted with wraparound, floor-to-ceiling, white ripple-fold drapes. Their dramatic flair gave a sense of texture and comfort that he adored. A lucite-framed ghost mirror hung over his king-size bed, creating the illusion of greater space. It was sexy, too. To his delight, the white bedroom loft resembled the film set from the movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise. The modernity of the space might have been intimidating to some, but Pablo loved it. Pablo savored the feeling of living in what he called an art installation. A couple of select artisan-crafted chairs, upholstered in warm orange and gray hues, offset the all-white. You get one more paragraph, Alexander. <laughs> you, yeah, that, so that, you, you, you get two out of three. Pick, that was my pick last, your last that one. Was my pick last. your last one. That was my last one. How dare one. you make us reread this book? That's what you're doing now. This is painful. <laughs> this is the, painful. I need the listeners to understand that that is the most description of the character of Pablo Michaels that At we least. get. Is this bad taste in... Interior With design. this one, first of all, don't come for Lucite. Everything in my apartment shall be Lucite one day. Clear as the day. <laughs> like a stripper heel? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly like that. <laughs> no, here's the thing. White paneled fabric? I actually don't mind that one as much because I do think this reveals a lot about Pablo as a character because we did True. see his trashy apartment before. And Pablo as a character, as an actual character, really cares about all this stuff. It also is a little tacky now if that were ever actually if that was the author's intent i would have loved that paragraph but as we'll talk about at the very end of our list pablo's flawless so this isn't presented as tacky bad too rich too luxe inappropriate it's presented as this is the best this is fantasy fulfillment that's what's weird about it and i truly believe this leads into number 17 because you thought we couldn't go down a wormhole of meta quite even Y'all more aren't ready. than when we are introduced to who aren't ready. the identity of I-C-E Let's is. set this up. Let's set this up. So throughout the entire book almost, Pablo has been intermediately texting with someone in the phone saved as ICE. I.C.E. <laughs> Which is how you know that Jay Manuel did not work with an editor. 100%. I do get that some people do put that in their phone for in case of emergency. All right? That's a thing that people do. I've been told to do that. I don't. But who would you put? Who would you put, JW? Hmm? 
Who would you put? I I don't know, Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) But you would put you would put someone that you know. Oh, 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 sure, sure, sure. No, this is it's meant to be. Say you get harmed and cannot communicate, and the hospital somehow has your phone intact. It's Mm. meant to be that. So if you can't answer the question, "Who can we call for you?" They can look that up in your phone. That's the meaning behind it, right? Yes, yes. But he's just texting with this person like a mentor throughout the book, but it, it is not revealed who it is. And you might think this is truly the actual good mystery of the book. This had me. This had me, y'all. I okay. was like, is this Brenda Paris? Is it going to oh. be a lesser reveal? Like, is it Rachel? Is it a birth mom situation? Since we have some, mm. there were so many options for this mystery. And then we arrived. On page 265. Page 265. <laughs> All of us just texted one another. Just the text. Page 265 with like five exclamation points. <laughs> Losing our minds. Because ice is J. Manual. Let's say it again. Ice is J. Manual. Pablo has been texting the entire book to the author of the book who exists in this universe. Because as you remember, America's Next Time Model exists in this universe. Who also tweeted at him at one mm-hmm. point. We also discover that this is Jay Manuel in the context of Jay Manuel advising Pablo not to write a tell-all book because you'll get vilified, but instead <laughs> to do as Jay Manuel is doing which is to write a dark comedic take on the extreme abuse of power that runs rampant in the TV biz and throughout society today. Jay Manuel is writing a book. You can have a lot more fun with that because it's, quote, all fiction, unquote, smiley face. It's one of the most meta things I've ever read. It's, it, it, it ruins breaks your brain. Book. It breaks the book. And it's even worse when Jay Manuel talks to Pablo. And tells Pablo, <laughs> I know this sounds very Super Soul Sunday, trademark Emmanuel pun, but it's what you did for me, Pablo. You opened my eyes, leading me to my own inner child. So, Pablo inspired Jay Manuel. a writer writing a fictionalized version of himself, <laughs> telling his own fictional character how he changed his life. And they acknowledge... They acknowledge that the the similarities, some of them, between Pablo and Jay, because they even mention the fact that they have the same hair. The same hair. How did Jay Manuel not be like, hey, get your own fucking color? It's, it's, <sighs> it's one of the dumbest things I've ever experienced in my entire life. <laughs> but also weirdly brilliant. Yeah, just but in also, the sense. Yeah, so much thought went into it. <laughs> like, it, it will make you really reevaluate the book it's such a it's a reveal that i didn't expect i also forgot there's only one person who jay doesn't hate other than coco rocha and it's ayan levanzan oh ayan levanzan is like his dream (laughs) oh my gosh okay it broke it broke my brain and listener if your brain still works we'll go on to number 18 This is one that I know Alexander wants to talk about. This is a question I have for the two mm-hmm. of you, truly. What is De Laurenta's dialect? Where is De Laurenta from? What is an, who is the enigma that is De Laurenta? If you told me that De Laurenta 
was a hallucination that Pablo had. <laughs> Ooh. I wouldn't be surprised. I know he interacts with other people, so it's technically impossible, but... Hmm. Because De La Renta, De La Renta, full name. And maybe, to be clear, not name, Oscar De La Renta. No. Nope. Who calls Keisha mother. Number one, he fluctuates in size. We never know what race De La Renta is, even though everyone else is described... Exclusively by race. their race. Yeah. We maybe he's maybe from Atlanta, but has a Caribbean accent, perhaps, in this book. He's he's also the only person that is described with an accent. Do you think, and I'm I'm just putting this out there because it's one of the people that gave a review of the book on the back of the book. Do you think it's Mm. supposed to be a stand-in for someone like Billy Porter? Just because of the mother thing, too. Yeah. Just older gay I'm guy. just throwing it out there. I have no idea. Taylor Renta seems like the only truly original creation besides like Harper. Yeah. Yeah. Because De La Renta is unsexualized, like desexualized. Oh no. Oh no. De La Renta could never have sex. He's just a quip. He's a quip machine. Yeah. He's there to quip and literally run away. <laughs> yeah. He keeps running away from Keisha. I don't think, I think, Jay, as an author, wanted De La Renta to be in the scene to say, like, the, quote, funny lines. And some of De La Renta's did get a chuckle out of me, to be fair. Sure. But never knew how to exit De La Renta from a scene. So he always was just like, gotta go fix that wig. And, like, it runs away. And sometimes just, like, (laughs) runs away. There's so many moments where De La Renta runs away. And the end is like, and then De La Renta mouthed to me, watch out. De La Renta mouths so many things to Pablo. (laughs) (laughs) But even he mouths in an accent. It's weird. It's so odd. It's it's just a weird choice to make that one character mm-hmm. have a distinct speaking voice. And not the rest. Well, the only other person who gets a distinct speaking voice occasionally is Keisha Cash. Because oh if I was God. to write down every time she went into creepy little girl voice... That would outpace Steadicam Watch, I'm sure. That bordered on demon voice? Uh And again, if you haven't read it, they literally write every single time Keisha's tone changes to what Pablo, as the narrator, describes her creepy child voice. And it says it every single time. time. And when someone Uh else speaks in that voice, they mention it and call it the exact same thing. There's never any, like, variation of, of no. it's always creepy child voice, creepy child voice, creepy child voice. A thesaurus was needed for writing this book. <laughs> Scary kid voice. It's right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. We have two left. And this next oh. one is one of my favorite stupid ones. Number 19, bizarre things in this book. The med student waiter and tavern on the green. <laughs> because one of the main, like kind of big moments we talked about in our previous episode, but when Beth, the plus size contestant and should have been winner gets sick from oysters and leaves to go have her leg chopped off. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason she's saved. (laughs) That's what happened. Literally. And the only person that saves her is two waiters actually, I think, but a waiter that saves her and knows all the right things to do, knows that she needs an EpiPen, all this stuff. And then this waiter just reveals that he's actually a medical school student and about to become a doctor. And you're just like, why did we need this? Who was this? This is, yes, this is what's ridiculous about this. A TV show would have a emergency medical 
technician. Always on set. Always on set. set. With an EpiPen. Why do we need an extra character who is not named, who just runs up as a deus ex machina to just shoot Breath's leg full of epinephrine? And also, we get so much backstory for him. And you think maybe he's going to get, like, a job on the show or something. Like, you know what I mean? Or like, he'll be a late-breaking yeah. love interest for Pablo. I also yes. had that moment for a while, too, mm-hmm. that I was like, anyway. And he's going to be, like, a normal guy who's a waiter and a doctor and he doesn't understand the world of TV. And it, like, changes yeah. Pablo's you mind. You know how when you fall in love over an aspiring model's Vibrio Vulnificus? <laughs> like you do. <laughs> but then also, they're at Tavern on the Green... According to the author, Tavern on the Green can suck it. (laughs) Suck a big fat dick because fuck Tavern on the Green. It's uncool and no one would go there unless they were paid. No star, A-list or Z, would be caught dead eating at Tavern on the Green unless it was written into their contract. Why? Tavern on the Green should sue. I love love the thought of like, what bridges am I going to burn? Most people... (laughs) I'm not going to use their real names. But Tavern on the Green and Tim Gunn. They're drag. (laughs) Dead. It is odd. Like, because when you do use someone's real name and you describe them negatively, and especially harshly, like they do for Tavern on the Green, I'm like, what do you expect to come from that? I feel like the reason they use Tavern on the Green truly, he might hate it, but it was a plot device that needed to put him very close to Lincoln Center where the Emmys were supposedly taking place for some reason in <laughs> New York at Lincoln Center. <laughs> and he needed it close by so that he could leave two minutes before he needed to be on camera for Celebrity Buzz TV. We're not even going to talk like, about that subplot. Yeah. We don't have enough time in the world. <laughs> Make up a restaurant name. Make up a restaurant name. You didn't need to be there. You put so much other places serve oysters. You put so much detail into creating a fake, not real waiter doctor. You could have easily made Harper, Rachel, anyone, Mike. Who cares? Mike's like, I have an epipen because I'm also allergic. Yes, like, whatever. But then you'll take so much time to take a pe- shit on tavern yeah. on the green. <laughs> Such a weird choice. Anyway, let's go into kind of our number twenty and our final thoughts. Wrap up number twenty. Is Jay Manuel just like fully delusional? Because Pablo as a character doesn't really have flaws. He does, but you're not really meant to think so. And a lot of the book just explores how great Pablo is. The flaws are kind of what's not there, right? Like it's this absence of description where you see all these flaws. It's usually him realizing he's flawed, thus negating those flaws. Yeah. But, like, he thinks that they are friends. He thinks that Pablo Michaels and Keisha Cash have a deep friendship. And then only at one point does he go, was she using me all the all along? At one point. Like, <laughs> Several points. Just so many sure. points. But, like, but he literally has no flaws. He's smart. He's efficient. He's creative. He can healthy. fully pull off a heist. <laughs> Great taste. But then you're like, oh, is he? But he records Keisha Cash vocally doing something visually to catch her in blackmail and like what he also and i don't know if it's pablo or jay 
appears to have fundamental misunderstandings of very basic rules of society. <laughs> and this is partially me shoehorning in something that I just have to talk about very quickly. Do it. Just near the end of the book, something is going badly on set because something is always going badly on set when Pablo isn't there. So he gets yeah. a 911 text from poor Rachel Simpleton. <laughs> and you never want to get a 911 text. Well, yeah. But we didn't know that until recently, if we are Pablo, because according to the book... Also, I'm going to say before you say this, Hannah, <laughs> if, if a text has 911 in it, we can assume it's bad. The book didn't need to tell us that a 911 well, text was bad, but... Except he hated 911 texts now. They only brought more drama into his life. He was convinced he officially had PTSD from seeing those three numbers appear on his phone screen. <sighs> Did a character go through a journey where they realized 911 was a bad thing? You know, it had been fun, a scene earlier when he got a 911 text and he was like, ooh, I love a 911 text because that means I have a problem to solve. Great. Yeah, I didn't actually, I could, would have remembered that and as a reader been like, oh, look at this little journey of now you kind of hate doing the show. That's what this is. Well, because everything was stolen from him, JW. <laughs> the logo, the idea, the talk show. Jay has written a character who never changes, nope. but also just somehow gets better and better. And everyone loves, including the audience and everyone Except on set. for the people Except who hate him because they're so intimidated by his beauty and brilliance. <sighs> it's so hard to root for this character. <laughs> Even the whole book wants you to exclusively root for this character to the point that a couple of times, despite how awful he makes her seem i was like i'm kind of on keisha's side like here and there yeah. i was like mm, keisha cash got a point she's just trying to write a book why why be mean to her she just got you a poster of the thing you both reference all the time why are you so mean about yeah. it i mm, the the worst thing about this stupid book that we all had to read <laughs> had to is strong chose to we did this is a for choice the fans. we all made we had to for the fans anyways the worst thing is i after this book thought, can I enjoy Jay Manuel on the show? Like, it really called into, like, question, like, can I watch Top Model going forward and not think about this book and how he depicts himself? Because he looks really bad at the end of this book. Jay Manuel himself looks very bad. Yeah. I I'm going to say this. I mean, for the for the pod lead we will have to. And honestly, oh, yeah, and we will. I'm ready to squash the memory of this book into a tiny little ball in my brain and forget <laughs> it. No, me too. I'm not saying I can't I'm going to give it, myself some Haagen-Dazs, some mm. white wine. I'm going to watch some whatever that movie is that gets referenced a million times Tuesday if I can't remember and let this Babes in arms. away. Can I also just say, that all being said, should you read this book if you're a super fan of Top Model? I would say yes. Here's yeah. why. <laughs> this was one of the breeziest reads. And it's not like a short book necessarily. It's really not. No, it's it's like, over 300 no. pages. Yeah. And like, you know, normal size pages for a, a novel of this like genre. But it goes by so quick. There's so many outrageous scenes. There's so many twists and turns. And if you can get past the more like sensitive problematic stuff all the stupid yeah. trash parts are hysterical in how yeah. stupid they are if i didn't have to take notes while doing this book <laughs> and like highlighting and like th like critically thinking about the book as i read it 
I probably would have been like, fine. That was like trashy nonsense. I'm going to even say you'd probably be like, cool. Texting each other about it was really fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if you have people who you're like rewatching with or, you know, listening to Podlita with or whatever, it is worth a trashy book club session. I was about to say, we kind of had our own book club and it was really fun. And if we all got a tattoo that said page 265 on us. <laughs> I wouldn't be against it. It was like one of my favorite moments of bonding with the two of y'all, honestly, is us all having the same collective reaction. Because again, we have mentioned so much stuff. And honestly, there's a lot we haven't even scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. There's Uh -uh. so much. We haven't talked about Miss Thing's dick pic situation. We haven't. Or her her kleptomania. (laughs) Really? (laughs) All the stuff with Miss Thing is. Choice. Sasha Berenson's uppers and downers routine. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about a lot of the other contestants and what the their deal was. That uh, Pablo Michaels is a 30 year old man in 2020, and his drug of choice to mention is Benzos. <laughs> We're suddenly in Valley of the Dolls. It's there's just the dream sequence. Yeah. Oh, the nightmare. I literally have notes in my thing of like, oh, it's a dream. Oh, or a nightmare. <laughs> What's going on? There's just so much nonsense it's got more nonsense per sentence than i think anything i've ever read in my entire life and it's it's i recommend you reading it i really do (laughs) just know that it's gonna be garbage just know that it's gonna be garbage and also there's definitely some like again talks about me too stuff and race stuff and fat shaming that's like talks about me too but it's the one time he doesn't use a hashtag. And also Me Too is split into two words. Like, it's the one time you have an actual hashtag in your book and you don't use the hashtag. So funny. It'll frustrate you, but I think we all need fun things to be frustrated about. Yeah. yeah. This is the kind of thing that will frustrate you in the way that you're just like, but this doesn't hold any bearing on my life. <laughs> this doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> But if you want more things that don't have a bearing on your life, you should rate with you and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, we love hearing from you. You can email us uh, at our website. You can also, if you're able to, support us on uh, anchor.fm slash podleadum slash support. It's also in the notes of any episodes. You can just click there. If, if you got that, we will take it. I, don't, I, I have no shame. Uh, you can also find me anywhere at Yet Charming. Send me some trashy book club suggestions on Instagram at Hannah Jane Ginsburg. And I'm on Twitter at JW Crump. And speaking of Twitter, you can always use the hashtag podleadum. So make sure we see your tweets. And we got a new one from a user. I don't think we've ever gotten a tweet from before. Um, at Smack Ripper. And the name is Smack the Ripper, which I love. Please give all the hosts on podleadum a writing gig on late night TV. They are hilarious. And if you want to do that, make sure you tag uh, Late Night TV. Yeah, no, no. Let's, let's get that, let's get that and, viral. I mean, that's not, I'm not opposed to that. Phase four, open back up New York television. They're coming back, baby. <laughs> time, time to shine. We need those writing jobs. So for Pod Leadum, I have been Alexander Price. I'll be Hannah Jane Ginsburg. And I'm JW Crump. And we will see you on top. Podletum is not endorsed by America's Next Top Model, Tyra Banks, 10 by 10 Entertainment, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. America's Next Top Model and all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. 